we, we have a, a WhatsApp chat. If anybody else wants to join, I'm happy to, to put you on that as well. And uh, sometimes it is somewhat active. Carrie, I'll put you on, yeah. So um, the questions that we had yesterday, uh, can you elaborate on the blessings as means to fulfill the Torah? Most people have aspirations, professional and personal goals. Keeping the Torah is kind of a parallel life. How do you use the first to achieve the latter, right? So I'm sorry, yeah, the, I guess the latter, yeah. So what happened was yesterday, what we were discussing is the idea that the blessings inherent in the second paragraph of the Shema, right? That was you read in Deuteronomy, the blessings of getting material wealth and that if you keep the Torah properly, you'll have rain in the proper times and that your animals will be fattened, right? And that all of your material blessing will also be quite uh, potent, right? So that idea what we mentioned yesterday is that that is not as a ends in itself, but rather as a means to an end so that you could further pursue your spiritual growth. So the question that was asked was, I don't understand, they keep the Torah as one thing and your material growth is a different thing. Professional, personal goals are a different idea. And the answer, and, and Chuck said this a little bit differently also, he said that in terms of, uh, in terms of our lives, right, education, secular religious education, it takes time, right? Working, parenting, volunteering, all of these things take time, right? So how can I say, that the Torah is giving us this blessing that all of our material needs would be taken care of so that we can exclusively pursue spiritual desires, right? So Chuck was saying that's not really true. So I, I think the answer to both these questions is really a pretty similar answer. And that is that what I don't mean to say that we would always just sit and learn Torah the whole day, right? Or that we would, uh, you know, daven to Hashem the whole day. That's not what we're talking about over here. What we're talking about is there are things in life that are in and of themselves a completely worthwhile pursuit. And then there are things in life that we only do to allow us to pursue the worthwhile pursuits. And that's true for every single one of us. We all have those things in life that we are a necessary evil almost, right? So to speak, right? You know, the, the, the famous um, story of where someone goes on vacation, you know, a nice uh, hardworking member of the rat race from New York City goes on vacation to, you know, somewhere in South America. And he sees an individual, uh, a native is fishing. And he goes fishing from 9 to 11 in the morning, and then he catches enough fish for the day, picks up the stuff, packs it up, goes back home. And he sees this happening every single day. So after a couple of days, he tells him, I don't understand. I see that you're able to get so many fish in only two hours. If you would work for eight hours, you'd catch so many more fish. And if you catch so many more fish, you can start selling the extra fish. And then you could take the money and you could buy this and buy this and buy this. And he said, and what's the point of that? What am I going to do with that one day? Well, then you could go on vacation. I, I'm on vacation every day, right? I only work for, for exactly what I need for life and that's all I do, right? So it's very important in life to recognize what is a means and what is the actual end. So yes, volunteering, a tremendous mitzvah. There are so many things that we do that are mitzvot that are helping make the world a better place, right? It doesn't mean only learning Torah and davening is, is a mitzvah, right? Volunteering, being a parent. They, they, these are incredibly important things in life. Of course they are, right? And they, we're not saying anything other than that. The point was just to say is in terms of material needs, right? We all also have material needs. We were put into this world and Hashem says, the zeas apecha, right? Tells Adam that through the sweat of your brow will you get the, the sustenance that you need from the land. That's part of the curse of Adam, that we do need to spend time ensuring that our physical needs are met, right? But the question is, how much time do we need to spend on that? The blessing that we have in the second paragraph of Shema is that exactly what we need in our physical needs in life, 
will be met with very little effort. That doesn't mean to say that, like I said, the rest of the day is not going to be spent learning Torah and davening. A lot of it will be spent learning Torah and davening, but it'll be spent in other spiritual pursuits, which certainly also include volunteering, educating yourself about the world. There are, there are many other things that are also certainly a, a, a actual end and not just a means to an end. Did, did that answer the question a little bit better? Works for me. Okay, very good. Okay, let's continue on yes, page. Thank you. Sure. Let's continue on page 116. And I think we are up to the second paragraph on page 116. And what we have been discussing is the idea that the Torah was given to us in the wilderness so as to make it clear to all that our nationhood is not based on any specific boundary, but is rather based on the Torah and is based on the unity of the fact that we all have the Torah. Nevertheless, this people was to enter history as a nation in the midst of the other nations, to show them that God is the master and provider of all blessings. And even those blessings so highly prized by men can be obtained as means for one's ends if a person only dedicates himself to the fulfillment of God's will. And that such dedication is sufficient to provide a basis for his life. And so what does this mean? This is really what we've been talking about, which is that there is a, a, a balance in life that we always have to try to meet. And that balance is between two different ideas. There is an idea, and this is really a big topic. There is an idea that Hashem provides for us, right? That our, our money that we're going to be gain, gaining over the entire year has really already been spoken for at the beginning of the year. On Rosh Hashanah, God decides how much money we're going to have in our life. On the other hand, we can't just sit back and say, well, God already decided. I think I'm just going to sit in my lazy boy the whole day and the money will just fall from the heaven because that's after all, isn't that what the Talmud says? God decides how much money you're going to have. The answer is that no, you also have to put in effort. But the results of that effort are not up to you. We do the effort, we go to school, we go, we, you go to medical school, you become a, a resident, you go through all of the hard work so you become a doctor and make a living, right? Now, let's say someone doesn't follow that path. Instead of having to become a doctor, they decided they want to become a rabbi. Now, typically in most case scenarios, doctors and rabbis don't make the same amount of money. But God has already determined that this rabbi is supposed to make as much money as a doctor. So what's going to happen? He put in the effort in this world and somehow or other, he's going to end up with the same amount of money, right? How's that possible, you ask, right? Doctors and rabbis don't make the same amount of money. So, well, the answer could be like this. If he would have become a doctor, perhaps he would have been hit with some lawsuits. Perhaps other things would have happened that his money would have been used in ways that he did not intend to use it. So in terms of disposable income, he might end up with the same amount of money, okay? So what we're dealing with is what we call the interplay between the divine providence and our hishtadlut, and add the effort that we have to put in to receive the material benefits that God wants us to receive. And that's a, a complicated topic, but it's important to recognize that ultimately the benefits that we receive in life come because Hashem determined that they should come to us. So part of the reason why this nation, Jewish people, are to enter history as a nation in the midst of the other nations is to teach them precisely this idea. The idea of saying that that which everybody holds dear and everybody holds valuable and says, well, considering what you guys are pursuing, you're not going to end up getting those things because it doesn't seem to be your goals in life, your aspirations. So you should not end up with material benefits. So the answer is, that's not true. That if you do things properly, you can end up with exactly those same ideas. Therefore, a land, prosperity, and the institution of statehood were to be put at Yisrael's disposal, not as goals in themselves, but as means for the fulfillment of the Torah. Accordingly, they all were granted to Israel on one and only one condition, 
that it would indeed fulfill the Torah. Blessed with all these gifts, this people had to remain separate from the nations, lest to learn from them to consider these blessings and end in themselves, and consequently perish like the other nations through the worship of possessions and pleasures, right? Because that's oftentimes what happens, right? We read about it in the Torah, right? By Yishman Yeshurun, by Yivat, right? That we, Yeshurun, which is a name for Israel, we became fat and we kicked out, right? Because when you have too much plenty in your life, that is oftentimes a far greater temptation to withstand the pursuit of acquisitiveness lifestyle than to live with a poverty-stricken lifestyle, right? When everything is going well and you feel like you have everything that you need, you become very absorbed in the pursuit of the means and think of it not as the means, but actually as the end. And therefore, you lose sight of what's truly important. And the Torah itself tells us when we are very wealthy, then we kick out, then we forget that God is in the world. And in truth, when you look at the cycle of not just Jewish history, Jewish history is certainly true. But even in world history, this is always what happens. When you're young and hungry and you're, you want to be successful, then you got that hunger. And you look at, and not talking about individuals, really talking about nations, right? You look at the, the life cycle of nations, right? When they're on their upward trajectory, that's because they really want something and they're ready to put in the energy, they're ready to put in that effort. But then what happens is when they reach the pinnacles of success, they relax, they take it easy, and we know what happens. And this is something that's baked into the, baked into the creation. And it's certainly true about the Jewish people, as we will see tomorrow night when we read this footnote. Footnote number eight is a long and very interesting footnote that Bezrat Hashem will read tomorrow night. 